Let's pray. You can just stop right where you are and pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the word. We thank you for Jesus. Because of Jesus, we are redeemed. We thank you that salvation is real. It's not just the adjusting of a personality, but it is a supernatural encounter with a supernatural God that transforms us into supernatural beings. In your words, you said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things are passed away and all things are made new. And so we declare that newness comes forth in our life. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you have given him as a teacher and a guide and that we are not without hope or help in this world. We thank you that we are not without supernatural power. And so we pray in advance for anybody who needs a miracle for that miracle to manifest. Now, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we pray that your word would flow free, unhindered and unchecked by any demonic and satanic influences. We declare that the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus trumps every weapon that is formed against us. And we believe that we receive and we will never be the same again in Jesus name. Amen. Go ahead and high five somebody. Say it's my receiving day. It's my receiving day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, go ahead and take your seat. We're going to do this. I'm going to try to do this, you know, pretty quickly. Because um, I'm not going to give you a, a whole bunch because some of you probably going to be mad at me today. But I want to give you a disclaimer. If you get mad at me, it is not the real you that is mad. It is the demons that live in you that's mad. So I just want you to know that if you start feeling something, get mad. It's not the real you. It's because we had a whole five weeks about being what? Unoffendable. So we surely not going to be offended by the word, by the word of God. Amen. So listen, I'm going to be talking to you today. I've I I really been thinking about this. I'm praying about this for a while. And so I'm going to give you some kind of some setup, some disclaimers. And I said it a little bit earlier in, in the segment where I was talking to you guys about praise and worship. And I think that one of the challenges in the church in America is that we've worked way too hard to make church comfortable for people. And I'm not saying that church shouldn't be a loving place, but I'm saying that church should not be a place where it's okay for you to live raggedy and you keep coming and you don't feel nothing when you live in raggedy. That the power of God convicts. And I know, I know we got a lot of teaching out there and they're like, God is love, God is love, God is love, and God is love, but every good father also corrects. That's what Hebrews said. That ain't Old Testament for those of you who only rely on the New Testament until it's time to get a blessing and then you want to reach back into Deuteronomy 28 and pull them all into the new dispensation. Any good father corrects. And so I think that we do people an injustice when we say to them, yes, so come as you are. Yes, come as you are. You should. Just don't stay as you are. Just don't stay as you are. And I think that we have an expect, we have a responsibility to tell people that this is really important. If you don't write down anything else, I say you should write this down. Jesus is the standard. Other people aren't the standard. It's not, oh, well, I can do this because this is what Pastor Sean does, or I can do this because this is what Kristen does, or I can do this because this is what my grandmama does. What is the standard that Jesus set forth? Jesus is the standard. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is the standard. He's the standard all day. And because God knew that we could not fulfill that standard by ourselves, he gave us both the salvation experience and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The infilling of the Holy Spirit. And every believer needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus did not do any ministry, 
any ministry until he was filled with the Spirit of God. Now, if Jesus, who came from a virgin, needed to be filled with the Spirit, you know you need to be filled with the Spirit too. Jesus said to his disciples, even though you, hang out, you hung out with me, you were anointed to do miracles, don't you try to go forward until you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I believe that it is imperative that we begin to teach believers how important it is for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit because in truth, when your behavior is not modifying, it is indication not that you are not saved because you are saved because you have accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, but it is an indication that you are not filled. Another way to say it is that you are carnal. So what I'm going to say to you today that you can ask yourself, don't ask your neighbor. Husbands, this is not the time when I ask the question that you look at your wife and go, she talking to you. No, I'm talking to every person. The Bible says if you judge yourself, you don't have to be judged by anybody else. Are you a carnal Christian? Are you a carnal Christian? Well, I'm going to walk you through the words so you can judge yourself. You ready? Again, if you get mad, it's not the real you. So just tell all that other stuff to settle down. And grow up. Yeah. Pastor Edwin talked to us about how important it was to grow up. All right, so we're going to start in Romans, the fifth chapter. Say, today is, today is my, day my day to self-reflect self and grow up. And grow up. Amen. It's always a good day to grow up. Amen? So, I got a couple of scriptures I'm just trying to think about. Oh, no, let's, go, let's start in Romans 8. Let's start in Romans 8, verse 6. Let's start in verse 4. Ah, let's start in verse 1. Let's just start in verse 1. Let's start in verse 1. It says, therefore... There is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, it's important for you to read the word, because if you are a student of the word, it does not say there is no condemnation just because you are in Christ Jesus. It says there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And then he goes on to say, for the law of the spirit of Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Let me insert there. That scripture right there does not mean that the law of Christ Jesus has made you free to do what you want to do. Tell your neighbor, say, as a believer, you can do what you want to do, but you're not free to do what you want to do. There is a difference. You are a free moral agent. You can do whatever you big and bad enough to pay the penalty for doing. But that does not mean that you are free to do it. So when Jesus was setting us free, he was not setting us free to go, oh, I'm saved by grace so I can keep cursing you out. Oh, I'm saved by grace so I can keep this lust spirit on my life. Oh, I'm saved by grace so I'm going to pray over this sugar and ask the Lord to take the calories out of it and not let it come to my body. That's not what the scripture means. It says for what, in verse through for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Here it is again. He's saying righteousness not fulfilled just because you're a believer and you do what you want to do. 
He says righteousness is fulfilled when you walk after the spirit, not after the flesh. Whether you realize it or not, that whole unoffendable message was all about walking in the spirit. It was about people do something to you that they shouldn't do. You respond how Jesus wants you to respond. You forgive, you let go, you move on. Why? Because that's what Jesus said. It's not about whether they deserve forgiveness. It's not about whether they ask for forgiveness. It is about you making a decision to walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. So let me parenthetically insert this right here. Unforgiveness is flesh. When you refuse to forgive, no matter how justified you think you are in your unforgiveness, it is an indication that you are carnally minded and you are walking in your flesh. But you don't know what they did to me. Jesus didn't say forgive them if what they did meets a certain standard. He says forgive them because I told you to forgive them and let me work out the rest. Okay, all right, let's keep going. It says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, and they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law, neither indeed can be. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you are in the flesh, you cannot please God. All right. So if you go to Hebrews 11 and 6, go there because I want you to see because we a Bible teaching church. But Pastor Sean, you said Jesus loves me. Yes, I love my kids all the time. I'm not pleased with them all the time. Yes, Jesus loves you all the time. That doesn't mean he's pleased with your behavior all the time. And a big misconception is to confuse the two. Any parents in here? You always love your kids? Are you always pleased with them? So it is with God. So Hebrews 11 and 6, it says, who got it? What does it say? But without faith, it is impossible to please God. So here's what he's saying. The reason that you cannot please God in your flesh is because your flesh is not in faith. So you can't be in your flesh and be in faith. Let's keep going. Well, what does it mean to walk in my flesh? I'm going to make it simple for you. To walk in your flesh is to do anything other than what God told you to do. That's what walking in your flesh is. So let me give you an example. Let's say that God tells Kathleen that she can drink wine. But God tells Kedron that he can't drink wine. Kedron cannot now use the scripture that talks about drinking a little wine for his stomach as justification for drinking wine because God has given him a specific instruction not to drink wine. And the challenge for a lot of believers is that believers are a lot like little kids. I got five kids and almost, you can bet, at least once a month, one of my kids is going to tell me about something that one of my other kids got to do that they didn't get to do. What they got to do with you? You run your race. So it doesn't matter if God tells every
everybody else in this room that they can drink wine, the moment Kedron drinks wine, it becomes a work of the flesh for him because God told Kedron not to drink wine. That is why we are always saying to you, what did God say? Because your responsibility is to do what God told you to do. And you cannot do what God told you to do if you can't train yourself to hear the voice of God. So the plan of the enemy, I want you to hear this, is to make you bored with everything that would help you hear God. The enemy works to make you bored with everything that would help you hear God. I never seen so many spiritual people who can praise and shout for four hours. But in a 45-minute message, got to go to the bathroom five times. Why? It is a product of a carnal flesh. And the, your flesh says, get up out of here because we don't want to be held accountable to the word. So now we're going to pray. And every time we pray, and every time, first of all, it is, it is a bad choice to pray with your notifications on that you can hear from your phone. Because you, most of you who love your phones, you pick up that phone every time it dings. How are you going into a place of prayer with your notifications on? Because you're nosy and you know that as soon as that thing ding, and if it ding four times, prayer is over. You like, hold on, let me see. God, I'll be right back. Wait a minute, let me see what's happening. Ooh, ooh, she went to the Bahamas. Look at that. Ooh, that's so pretty. Ooh, I want to go to, what was I doing? Oh, oh. I'm sorry, God, I was praying. So the enemy works to make you bored with the things that will develop your spiritual life so that he can keep you in bondage. bondage. I want you to hear me this. I can shout with the best of y'all. I can shout. I know how to, I know how to, because if, if, you, if you've ever been in a Kojic church, you got to have some discipline. You got to have some endurance to run the race. I'm going to tell you a funny story because people like funny stories. The first time I went to the Cody Church with Edwin, I was shouting real hard. And he leaned over and tapped me. He said, baby, we're not going to finish soon. You got you to pace yourself. You got to pace yourself. He said, you, you, you shouting. He said, you're going to pass out. You got you to gotta pass. Because, you know, I grew up in a church where we got about a seven minute. We got about seven minutes of praise. They got like two hours and seven minutes. So you got to learn how to and then sit. And then lift your hands and then get back in and full and stuff. I can shout with the best of you, but here's what I know. Shouts don't set people free. The word does. Some of you have shouted the heels off your shoes and you still bam. Shouting doesn't set people free. The word sets people free. But it's easy to shout because it entertains your flesh. Amen. We got security at the church just in case you get up real upset today. Okay, let's go to Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Because I want to give you an illustration because I want you to see what it looks like to walk in the spirit and walk in the flesh. So what do we understand now? If God tells you no, it's no for you. Say, if God tells me no, it's no for me. And so once it's no for me, I don't entertain what other people are doing. And you know that little girl on Facebook? I know y'all know most of you Facebook pictures. She told her, she said, worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. 
Don't worry about when they fast and when they not fast and what time they're praying, how much they study, what they give. Just worry about yourself. Are you hearing and obeying God? Amen. Where I tell you to go? Galatians 5. We're going to get to the illustration soon because people need to see visual. Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17. I also want to say this. If you don't actually read the Bible, like if you don't, like now if you aren't looking up the scriptures, I'm going to look at somebody with a Bible so people don't feel like I judged them. If you have, if you're in church and you don't actually look up the scriptures, that's like going to chemistry class without a book. You hard pressed to remember all of the stuff that you learned. Yes. So read your word. One, if you don't open your Bible, you don't know if I'm lying. I could be up here reading from the book of Sean. You like, amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. Amen. Read your Bible. So Galatians 5, 16, it says, this I say, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusted against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one to the other. So you cannot do the thing that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. I love it. Then he tells us because he knows how we are. And we're going to try to make exceptions for what the flesh is. So he tells us. So I'm going to read what he says. Adultery. Fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envies, murder, drunkenness, reveling, and such as the like. That's what the flesh looks like. He says, and if you walk in the spirit, you won't be out doing a bunch of fleshly stuff. What does that mean? If you walk in the spirit, you may go out to drink, but the Holy Spirit will tell you that you have had enough before you are drunk. Because the Bible says to be drunk with the spirit, not to be drunk, drunk. See the difference? I'm just trying to help us in very practical terms because we, we're in a college town with a lot of young people, people who love God. One of the most frustrating things for me is when I was in college and I really wanted to love, live for the Lord, but nobody told me exactly what living for the Lord looks like and that I need the Holy Spirit in order to live for the Lord. Oh, yes, let me say this. Let me go ahead and say this early. The devil does not care about your willpower. In fact, the devil loves Christians who think they got strong willpower. Because he know you way better than you know yourself. And so a lot of believers, because they're carnal, you spend a lot of time trying to develop your soul willpower instead of being constrained by the spirit. I'm going to give you an example. Your willpower can decide that you don't curse. But if we put enough pressure on you and curses in you, we going to get curse out of you. But when the Holy Ghost starts digging curse up out of you, even when the pressure comes, curse can't come out of you because curse ain't in you. I love when people curse and they go, I don't know where that came from, inside? It came from inside because it was inside of you. You only cursed because it was inside of you. I don't know how that happened because you thought that you because you thought willpower and Holy Ghost constraint were the same thing. The Bible says that we are to be constrained by the spirit of God, not our own will. Amen. Amen. Shout, I'm changing. I'm self-reflecting. 
Amen. Now, let's go to Romans 12, 1 and 2. 12, Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says, so if you're going to walk in the spirit, here's what you have to do. He says, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. That means you're alive, but you're constantly dying to yourself. And one of the ways that you can know whether you are a spirit-led believer or not is how often you die to yourself. Spirit, carnal believers say stuff like this. Well, that's what I felt like doing. Oh, okay. I, I felt like. Because carnal believers live in the sense realm. It looked like I should cuss you out. So I do. It... It, it sounds to me like you don't understand what's coming out of my mouth. So let me give you some language that you understand. You live in your sense realm knowledge, which is why your self-control don't mean anything. Because all we got to do is push enough buttons. Okay, so Edwin doesn't have any little sisters except me. Okay. Which means that the stuff that he didn't get to do to a little sister, he does to me, okay? And for years, he could just push me over the edge because he is a irrit he'll just keep touching you on the shoulder, touching you on the shoulder, touching you on the shoulder, and you... You go lie to the people today? Oh. He just keep touching you on the shoulder, touching you on the shoulder, and then before I know it, I'd be hollering and screaming. When we early in marriage, he'd make me so mad, I start crying. I want to fight him. And one day, the Lord said to me, "You know, you don't have to let him work you up like that." And the Lord started saying to me, "When he's talking to you, listen to me." He was touching me on my shoulder yesterday. He was trying to get me all worked up, and the Holy Spirit just said, "Don't pay him no attention. Just act like he's not there." Just act, just act like Sean, he said, in fact, he said, pray in tongues. Just act like you don't, just act like, pretend like he isn't there. And you know what? Yesterday he got tired before I went off. You need to understand that when the Holy Ghost constrains you, it will change how you respond in everyday life. And you don't realize that some of the cycles you keep seeing in your life is because you think you have the willpower to master them. And so then the devil just leads you back on into that trap one more time. It's like playing connect four with a little kid. When you play, anybody play connect four with a little kid, you know what I'm saying? When you're a little kid, you can only see your part and your red or your black, whatever, right? You can only see your things, right? And so they think they about to get you. They get that third one and they think they about to get you. And then you just slide it in and go connect four. That's what the devil is doing to some of y'all. He just leads you down the same path. You don't even realize that every move he making is to get you to make a move. Because he already knows that if he can get you to this certain point, he going to get you to do what he's always gotten you to do. I am preaching better than you saying amen. Some of you have been in some of the same cycles over and over again because you are not spirit-led. And what you don't understand is that part of what church is designed to do is to help you be led by the spirit. 
So when you come in here and the praise team leader says, lift your hands, it's not about whether you feel like lifting your hands. It's about disciplining yourself to respond to an instruction from God. And I say all the time, if you can't discipline yourself in here, the world wearing you out. If you can't open your mouth in here when we say give and praise, you can't close your mouth out there. Because we got to be led by the Spirit. So he says, I, I, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, present your body as a living sacrifice. You're alive, but you're constantly dying. I'm constantly dying to what I want to do, to what I want to say, to where I want to go, because what I want to do is to please him. And I think one of the challenges for a lot of believers, if you're a carnal Christian, is that you got to ask yourself, is it even important to you to please God? In every addiction program, the first thing they tell the people is you have to acknowledge that there is a problem. And if it's not important to you to please God, that's why it's so difficult for you to please God. We can always tell when we're counseling with married couples whether it's important to them to please God and to please their spouse. A lot of people don't get married to please their spouse. They get married because they wanted somebody. There's a difference between getting married for a kingdom assignment and because you just don't want to fornicate no more. And so when you get married because you wanted to satisfy your flesh, then you didn't actually discipline your flesh. So then marriage becomes the tool that should discipline your flesh, but you won't submit to its tutoring. Okay. You can be mad at me. It's just Bible. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. I love this. This is my favorite verse of scripture. It says, present your body because that's your reasonable service. You know, it's like participation trophies. Like, it's funny because you see people get on social media and they rant about people, kids who get participation trophies. But many people in the church, you want a participation trophy? Like, you didn't do anything. I mean, you went to practice and you went to the games, but y'all didn't actually score no goals, but you won a trophy. You came to church, actually participate. You was on your phone most of the time, texting the people who didn't come to church, reading your social media. You didn't pray, but you like, hey, wait a minute. They said blessing on top of blessings. Me, God, me. But there are no, tell your neighbor, say, there are no participation trophies in the kingdom. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is how you renew your mind. I have a master's in psychology and I'm a certified life coach. Let me tell you what I know for a fact. We can modify your mind, but only God can heal it. I can give you some strategies that help you modify your mind, but only God heals minds. How do you heal your mind? 
by putting this word, taking this word like medicine. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, are you sick? Take the word like medicine. Are you crazy? Take the word like medicine. Are you angry all the time? Take the word like medicine. Are you sick of being sad? Take the word like medicine. But you know what? No, no, no. I need, I need to know what I need, I need, I need to know what Oprah said. What did Oprah say? What did Oprah say? What did Jada's Red Talk say? Oh my God, Jada's Red Talk is so breakthrough. Bible, Bible, it was in the Bible. I'm not dogging any of those people. Here's what I'm saying. I say to people, even this about me. If you exalt my word and hearing me overhearing God, you're going to be in trouble. Because I ain't right all the time. So he says, present your body. All right, I'm going to do an illustration because I want to show you this. Hey, um, Chase, Caleb, Trey, come on. I want to show y'all this. Because I want you to get a good picture of this. The problem for most of you is that if you're a born-again believer, you don't understand that you're a new creation, okay? Just stand up here right in front of the thing. Line up, face them. No, right here. Stand right there. Stand right here. Okay, so most people, um, this is spirit. This go be your spirit, man. This go be your soul. And this is your body. The challenge for most believers is that you are most familiar with this. How you feel, what you think, what you want to do what you don't want to do, right? So the Bible says, if you are led by this, the result is death. Not necessarily physical death, but you can never have what God wants for you being led by this. It's death of destiny. It's death of purpose. It's death of hearing the voice of God because this right here is an enemy to this. Because this, your soul, wants to be in charge. Your soul wants to be the boss of you. Your soul wants to tell you what you eat, where you go, what you do. Okay? Until you are born again, he is the boss of you. Your soul dictates everything about your life. When you're born again, pass that one, come here. Holy Spirit comes and infuses in your spirit. The challenge for most believers is that you don't realize God don't talk to this. God does not talk to our soul. God talks to our spirit. Kedron, come here though. But there is somebody who talks to this. Sorry, Kedron, I made you the devil today. All right, you can move this today. <laughs> Yeah, play that devil music. Keej in the devil today. <laughs> so I want you to see this. You see your body over here? Your body ain't done nothing yet. Okay? Your body just over here waiting on one of these guys to tell him who's in charge. So your soul is over here led by the devil because there is no middle ground. 
everything you do is either for the kingdom, it's either for God, or it's not. Let me also insert that everything good ain't God. Say everything good ain't God. So your soul goes, ooh, that cake looks good. Let's have another piece. Your spirit goes, you got diabetes, and we believe in for healing. And the devil goes, but you saved by grace. You see how the devil massaging on his shoulders and stuff, just trying to bring him on in. And the Holy Spirit says, we're working on your healing. Don't eat that cake. And whichever one is the strongest is going to determine what body does. So these two are always in a war. And whichever one is stronger is going to dominate the other one. And whichever one is stronger is the one that you feed. The challenge for most believers is you spend all of your time feeding this guy right here. You spend all of your time looking at what you think and what you feel and what you perceive and what you want to do and what you discern. And so you got the devil over here co-signing for you. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever made up a whole scenario in your mind about how, oh, here's a good one. Have you ever been at home by yourself, heard a noise, and decided that somebody must be in the house with you? Your soul did that. Your soul did that. Because if you had settled down, your spirit would have told you, ain't nobody in here but you. You all right. And then the devil, because he's the father of fear, he comes along and says, I bet somebody is in here with you. What you going to do? What you going to do? You better get the gun. Now you're shooting a hole in your house when nobody even there. Whichever one you feed, okay, every time you got caught up in a bad relationship, this was leading you. This was leading you. This said, oh, he cute. Oh, he fine. He got good hair. The Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said what? The Holy Spirit said his hair going to fall out. <laughs> Don't pick him because of his hair. <laughs> so here's what happens. You bring him to people who are spirit-filled. And they go, they go, does he love the Lord? Your soul go, it don't matter. It's people in the church who don't love the Lord. <laughs> Devil over there just massaging, working you up. Because he's already looked down the road and he already knows that you're going to get down the road and boo go get you all caught up and then you're going to be sad and you're going to be shamed and then you're going to feel like you can't come back to church. And here's the thing about the devil, because you really need to understand what the devil does. Elma's mother has the best illustration of this. She says, so the devil comes over and the devil gets soul to link up with body, link his arm, and gets body to go off. You see how the devil put his hand on the body now? He's like, come on, we're going to do this. Yes. We go eat, we go eat this food, we go have this sex, we go drink this drink, we go go to work late, we go cuss our boss out, we go do whatever we want to do. 
The devil be on there talking about do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Soul be like, go ahead, do it, do it, do it. And then as soon as you do it, the devil jump back and go, why would you do something like that? I thought you loved the Lord. I thought you were a believer. Because he's a deceiver and an accuser. Even in all of that, Holy Spirit says we can fix it. We can fix it. But if you go get free from her, I need you to block her number. I, I need you to unsnap. You, you can't follow her on Snapchat no more reading her stories and stuff. Uh, uh, you you, you going to have to follow her on Instagram. You, you know what? Go ahead and just change your number. I can't change my number. Everybody knows my number. But it ain't everybody who will call you at 3 o'clock in the morning and get you called out again. Do you see what I'm saying? This is where anger hangs out. This is where depression hangs out. This is where overeating hangs out. This is where disobedience and rebellious hangs out. And these two are always in a war. And some of you, because you recently made a decision to live for Jesus, you feel like you're going under. You're not going under your spirit man just learning how to fight. Because your spirit man has never learned how to fight because before, every time your spirit man says something, say something. Tell me shut up. Say, say, don't do that. that that's what you, No, let, let, let him hear you. Say, what? Do something. Shut up. Don't do something. Shut up. Anything. Shut up. Say, walk in love. Walk in love. Shut up. Don't blame me at school. Quit talking to her. Quit talking to her. Shut up. Don't cuss your boss. Don't cuss your boss. Oh, shut up. <laughs> oh, shut up. Oh, shut up. And if you understand how your soul realm works, you will understand that your soul man is who comes into partnership with the devil for your destruction. When the devil comes for you, he doesn't come out here. He comes in here. So it becomes your job to grow him up, to grow this guy up, to read the word, to fast, to pray, to take instruction from other believers who have the ability to help you till he grows up. And so now when he says, we're going to cuss our boss out. We're going to cuss our boss out. You say. No, we're not. <laughs> because when you start disciplining your flesh, it goes something like this. Your spirit says, we go fast. Huh? They start to change places. Switch them out. Change places. They start, he starts getting closer to the body. He starts linking up with the body. And now he's star massage. So then it goes from being like this. When your soul was in the middle and you tried to fast, you couldn't make it two hours. When your spirit is in the middle and your body and your soul say, we're going to eat that cake, you say, if you do, we won't eat all month. So then your soul just shut up. Because you're so like, we don't want to not have cake for the rest of the month. Let's just be quiet. Let's just be quiet. <laughs> your, your body says, we would like to eat. Shut up. We're going to do what this guy right here says. It's your responsibility to grow this guy up. The devil, he going to do what he been doing forever. Holy Spirit, go do what he been doing forever. Who's got to change is you. Amen. So 
I want to give you these steps and we can go. Does that, does that, ex- does that make sense to you? Yeah. Does that make sense? Is that something you can understand? Yeah. When you want to cuss somebody, that's coming from your soul. When you don't want to forgive somebody, that's coming from your soul. When you don't want to give, that's coming from your soul. Because your spirit man always, say my spirit man, man. always Always. wants to obey God. So I'm going to give you these steps. They're actually the same steps that we gave the other night. But they're great steps because they are the five steps that will teach you how to walk in the spirit. Because the same way you get a miracle is the same way that you walk in the spirit. Number one, start with the word. Start with the written word. The word is not something that we get to be able to argue for our position. The job of the word is to change us. People ask me all the time. I was talking to Edwin yesterday. People ask me all the time because I know a lot of people who don't believe women should preach. And so they're like always online going off about why women shouldn't preach. And so one, this one particular day, this guy that I know who happens to be my cousin was going off on social media about how women couldn't preach. And people kept tagging me because they wanted me to say something to him. And I said to them, I said, have you heard me preach? And they were like, yeah. I was like, why would I argue with him? I know I could preach. He debating about whether I can preach or not. I'm preaching. Why would I go over here and get in a quarrel with him debating about what the word says when I already know what God told me? So you start with the word. Some of you got to dig up some of the stuff your grandmama told you. I love your grandmama, but she was wrong. I'm going to give you a great example. A lot of people grew up hearing that it was in the Bible that godliness is next to cleanliness. That is not in the Bible. Now, you ought to be clean, but that's not in the Bible. That's just what your big mama told you because she didn't want you to be musty in the summertime. So she told you that God wanted you to take a bath. But it's not actually in the scripture. Know what else is not actually in the scripture? You heard this growing up. God helps those who help themselves. That is not in the scripture. In fact, the Bible says that God helped you when you couldn't help yourself. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. So you got to make sure that what you're saying is actually what God says. Say, tell your neighbor, say, make sure what you're saying is what God said. So you start with the word. If you are not a student of the word, it will be difficult to know what God said. Listen, I am not any good in math. Whenever I was in algebra, it would make so much sense when they were writing it on the board. And I would go, oh, my God, I got this. I got this. I got this. And then I would do my homework, and I didn't know none of the stuff that they was talking about, right? Like, I just, it was like a foreign language. That's how the word is for a lot of you. In church, you're like, amen, praise the Lord. Amen. That's good. Praise the Lord. But because you don't go home and actually get in the word. See, the algebra teacher could work the problems because he had spent so much time working the problems. You'll be good at solving the problems when you spend enough time in the word to know what God would say. What would God say? So number one, start with the word. Number two, meditate on that word until it becomes a vision. When God told Joshua to meditate, he wasn't telling Joshua to just say the same thing over and over again. The purpose of meditation is to create a vision. Christian meditation is not like Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is about the clearing of your mind. 
Spiritual Christian meditation is about allowing God to fill your mind with the vision of what that word actually means. So you got to meditate on the word. Here's an example. Let's say right now if God said to every one of us, I want to give you, I want to give you your dream car. I'm not saying he said it. I'm saying let's say he said it, okay? That God said right now says to everybody, I want to give you your dream car, right? Kedron, what's your dream car? You want a Bentley, all right? Kathleen, what's your dream car? Huh? She got five. Pick one. Huh? Huh? A convertible, right? Somebody else, tell me what your... A Mercedes Benz, what? Black whip. Oh, now. I want you to hear this. She began to get very clear with her vision. I am looking for this kind of Mercedes with this kind of leather, with this kind of detail, right? But notice this. They didn't all want the same car. That's why when you pray for, for example, a relationship, you ought to say, God, what does a healthy relationship look like for me? Like, for example, when people say, Man, I wish I had a relationship like you and Pastor Elwin. I'd be like, your skin ain't really tough enough to handle how we do it up in here. We talk about each other. We joan on each other, mama and stuff. I mean, if you, oh, now you're going to say you don't talk about my mama. Oh. <laughs> Anybody been at the house can verify. Because we both grew up in a time where people play the dozens. That's how we play with each other. If you fragile and you can't play like that, you don't want no relationship like us. You'll be done prayed you up a husband who talk about your mama. Now you sad and crying and stuff. You got to be like, God, what does it look like for me? We play a lot, but we also take God very seriously. So we play a lot. We could be in the middle of playing and God be like, hey, I need y'all to go to Walmart and buy somebody groceries. And we go to Walmart and buy somebody groceries. So you better be careful what you're praying for that you know what God is saying to you. So number two is meditate on the word till you get a vision. We got three more. And then we're out of here. Number three, you then need to pray the word. Hopefully before this summer is over, we're going to get into a series about how to pray the word. Prayer is not where you beg. Tell your neighbor, say, prayer is not a begging session. Prayer is not, oh, Lord, I don't know how it's going to make it. I don't know how it go eat. I don't know how it going to come through. I don't know what I'm going to do if you don't come through for me. That is not what prayer is. Prayer is you saying what God said. God, I don't have enough money, but your word says that you have provided everything that I need, so I know provision must be out here somewhere. You also said if I don't have wisdom, I need to ask, so I'm asking you right now to give me the wisdom to know what I need to do so that I can break free from this. I believe that it's already done. Prayer is not the time where you come back to God and talk about the 37,000 things that you did wrong. All that stuff is under the blood. It's a waste of time. So you pray the word and you pray in the spirit. That's why you need to be a believer filled with the spirit of God. I'm going to push it all to You need to be praying in the spirit. This kid's five or six years old praying in the spirit. Everybody got a spiritual language. Well, we don't need an interpreter. Well, Jude 20 says praying in the Holy Ghost, building up your most holy faith. That's not the same as me getting up here preaching in tongues if I get up here and preach in tongues we do need an interpreter but when we pray you don't need an interpreter because the Holy Ghost is your interpreter and he tells you the part you need to know and most of the stuff he don't tell you because you don't have the capacity to handle it amen two more two more fast number four uh uh number four Pray and pray in the spirit. They the same. You need to pray the word and pray in the spirit. So basically when you're praying you ought to either be praying the word or praying in tongues 
If you're not praying the word or praying the tongues, you're not actually praying. And here's the illustration that I gave. If you go to file a document in court, you can't just put anybody else seen legally blonde. And when, um, when, what's her name? She wants to bring her resume on that pink scented paper. Because that's not how you bring a resume, right? There's a way to bring it. When you file a brief in court, you don't just get to take some pink scented paper and say, I want a divorce. You got to file the documents according to the kingdom. The kingdom has a court and prayer is how we petition the court for answers. And so you got to file the petition the right way. You got to file the petition the right way. And here's the thing. A lot of believers get mad because God has standards. And so they go, we just go do it our way. And I said this yesterday, trying to do your own thing in the kingdom is like coming to my house, moving the furniture. It's just not going to end well for you. You don't get to just decide, hey, this is how I think it should be in God's kingdom. So this is how I'm going to make it. So number four, you need to fast. Jesus didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast, not if you fast. When you fast, why do I need to fast? Because fasting brings spiritual discipline. Fasting does not move God. You fasting does not get God to do anything other than what he had already committed and already delivered to do. You know what fasting does for us? It gives us spiritual clarity. So you need to fast. And then the last thing that you need to do is you need to ask for and obey specific instructions. I'm going to take a couple of minutes and I'm going to end here. One of the biggest challenges for believers is because you think because you want something, God is obligated to do it. But faith starts where the will of God is known. So let's say you got two people in here and they have allergies. And you both need to pray about how you treat your allergies. God may tell one person, go to the allergist, take allergy shots. He may tell another person, clean up your diet. Now, if the person who cleaned up their diet now says, I don't want to clean up my diet, I'm just going to go get allergy shots like Joe got allergy shots, and then you go get allergy shots and you don't work, it's because you didn't follow your specific instructions. I see this happen a lot with believers regarding material things. Believers go, I want a job. I apply for this job at Walmart. I believe I receive it's mine. I name it and I claim it. Let me help you. You cannot name and claim stuff God didn't give you. You can't just pick. Okay, let me ask you something. How many of y'all want somebody to just pick you to marry you without your consent? You just somebody just be like, you know what? I like, I like, I like her. I'm going to take her. You don't want that. That's, that's to make you, it's makes you, it makes you a little nervous, don't it? Real stalkerish. If God has a plan for everybody, how do you get to claim a job or a spouse that he has already set aside for somebody else? So that's why we pray and ask for specific instructions. All right, God, you said I'm called to teach. What grade am I supposed to teach? God, where should I apply to be a teacher? God, where am I supposed to live? Man, I'm going to Atlanta, everybody in Atlanta. But your destruction could be in Atlanta. But you didn't ask because you want to be in Atlanta because everybody's in Atlanta. What did God tell you? I want to date him. The Lord like, don't date him, date him. He not my type. The Lord know your type way better than you do. You know your lust. The Lord know your type. So, that's all I wanted to say today. I just wanted to say to you,
Don't be carnal. Because if you're carnal, it's going to lead to death. And you're going to really love Jesus. I want you to hear me. You can absolutely love Jesus and get the hell beat out of you every day in life. Because you loving Jesus is not enough to keep the devil off your back. But walking in the spirit and being obedient, that's how we wage warfare. The greatest weapon we have is our faithful obedience. We do what he tells 